Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Welcome to another episode of Midweek in the Word. We're so glad you've taken the time to join us as we continue taking week by week, uh, seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word together. Um, as always, or or maybe not as always, given last week, Jared co-hosting or, or sub-hosting for me. Um, but uh, this week again, I am back. I am Pastor Brad, the Adult Ministries Pastor at Faith Bible Church. And uh, uh, joining me again this week is Pastor Tom, our preaching pastor at the church. Uh, welcome this week, Tom. Thanks, Brad. It's good to uh, hear your voice. Can't see you here, but uh, it's good to hear that you're uh, still doing well out there in Eagle. Yeah, yeah, we are We are in good shape um, and uh, have continued week by week to enjoy, even though we can't be in person for the messages every week, our, our Route 66 sermon series. Uh, I know this wasn't the way we originally envisioned um, working through the Bible in, in a year with our people, but uh, it's been a it's been a fruitful discussion. I know for many, and uh, many have appreciated your sermons as you've been working through each book of the Bible, through major characters uh, in in what the Bible's narrative tells us about. And and this last week, you hit maybe what some would consider a a minor book or or maybe maybe familiar with, um, but uh, don't get here preached on as much, uh, that being Ruth. And you were in Ruth 1 through 4, um, talking about the character of Ruth, though, as you said it, uh, you also spent a fair amount of time talking about Naomi and Boaz in the story as well. So so I want to start there. Uh, I want to start with your Ruth 66 series and, and ask first and foremost, uh, what did we learn about God on Sunday? Well, that's it. interesting, the little bridge book of 85 verses. Uh, I was uh, just really taken back by how often we see the hiddenness of God in that, just uh, the sovereignty of God working behind the scenes in trials and tribulations and testing, and then see the fruit of faithfulness and his blessing. So uh, probably uh, in 85 verses, probably the most frequent uh, appearance of God without directly saying anything, God shows up in just a powerful way. Yeah, his hand is undeniably on the life of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, even though it seems like such a tragedy as the book gets going, no doubt. Uh, secondarily, what what did it reveal uh, to us about man um, or about ourselves? Well, I, th- I thought it was interesting that um, it, it shows that even even the righteous will often face affliction and trial, and that uh, that man is uh, often faced with a choice to stay where he is and trust the Lord to be faithful in that situation or try to resolve the problems himself. So the tendency of man, it's been typical of the children of Israel to leave the land of promise and expect that God will bless them someplace else. Uh, But then it also was just uh, that moment of decision. The two daughter-in-laws had to decide, will I go back to my family and my gods, or will I go with my mother-in-law and worship her God? So God gives the opportunity for man to choose to follow him or to turn from him. Mm. Yeah, good deal. Um, And then finally, obviously, in the book of Ruth, we have this theme of of kinsman redeemer uh, that I know you explored a little bit on Sunday. Um, How did 
all of that in the story point us to the person and work of Christ? Well, probably when I when I watched my own sermon <laughs> this week, I went, man, I didn't I didn't give near enough time to what it means to have a redeemer, and uh, that was that was my one regret. But uh, it is the promise that we do have one who is a relative, who is able to pay our unpayable debt, and the greatest thing of all, he is willing even though paying our debt means he will give his life in our place. And uh, yeah, so I had, that was, that was a major regret uh, all Thursday afternoon going, maybe I ought to call Jared up and re-record this just so I can get that final point in. So it is this glorious promise that there is coming one who will love us enough to take us as we are and pay our debt in full and make us his treasured bride. Mm. Amen. And, and that imagery of, of, you know, the people of God and, and the church as the bride of Christ is going to continue to come up, I know, as far as a major theme in your preaching. And so we'll look forward to coming back to this theme again in future weeks as well. Um, now, last week, if you weren't with us, as we move into kind of the, the tip or, or tool we're looking to employ this week, uh, last week we talked about the idea of context and biblical interpretation. And and specifically, uh, we looked at literary context and how that was key to the story of Gideon and the Fleece. Uh, if you didn't have the chance to listen to that podcast, I would encourage you to go back and, and take a listen to it, because in there we define a little more fully what we mean by context. Uh, we won't be going back through that again this week, um, but we'll be exploring another major type of context in the podcast, because Sunday, Tom, uh, you made kind of a passing comment and didn't have time to fully explore it about the cultural implications of this strange act of, or at least to us, this strange act of Ruth uncovering Boaz's feet, an act that obviously raises eyebrows and questions uh, <laughs> if you don't understand what's going on culturally. Um, and you mentioned how we should and shouldn't interpret that act, but obviously you didn't have a whole lot of time to go into detail on that. So I want to take a closer look at that this week in the podcast and talk about historical and cultural context and how that informs our understanding of the text. Um, so let's start off with a real brief refresher uh, for those that, that listened last week, uh, but maybe need a, a crash course in what we said. Um, can you briefly remind us of how we defined the term context last week? Yeah, I think we have to remember that every statement is recorded in a setting. Uh, that that uh, what is said, the way it is said, how it is said, all of that uh, lives in that lives in the neighborhood it lives in for a reason, and uh, therefore it is defined or or understood on the basis of its neighbors, basically. So uh, it's just reading reading the scripture in its literary setting. Hmm. Yeah, and obviously last week, the neighbors we talked about were the verses and chapters and surrounding books. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about a slightly different neighbor, if you will, uh, that being the historical setting and the culture. Um, so could you take a moment and, and define what we mean by historical context or cultural context specifically? Well, in, in Ruth begins with, with a, a declaration of the historical context right away. It says, in the days when the judges ruled. And uh, so we know that timing-wise, we're back in that 400-year period of moral spiritual chaos. Uh, so with that 
with that in mind, and then uh, the times there, like I said, if I think rightly reading Judges, you, know, you start with the nation going to a respected woman receiving a word from the Lord, wisdom and direction, but you end that season with a uh, with a mistress actually brutally murdered and uh, and her body divided up in the center mounts of the nation. I mean, it just can't be more of a spiral down. So, you know, both the, the, the historic setting, that era of time, the cultural setting, when there weren't very many righteous men and the women were not treated with kindness and respect, suddenly you've got a Boaz and a Ruth. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, so historical context, by that you would mean what's happening in history, what's taking place in the nation of Israel at the time that Ruth is written. Is that fair to say? Yep, exactly. Yes, exactly. What what period of human history uh, was this was this account? Uh, it, you know, sometimes it was lived out in a season of time, written about later. I think that's the case with Ruth. I think mm. it was lived during the season of the judges. But it was written about when David had become king, obviously from the closing of the of the book. So somebody went back and said, "There's this bridge event that we need to declare." And uh, yeah. so you say, "Well, when did it happen, and what was going on in her world when this occurred?" Yeah. So so this three thousand year gap between us and them means that we have to overcome some of those obstacles of things we don't understand or. Not all of us are ancient history scholars, uh, yeah. <laughs> so don't necessarily yeah. understand what was going on. But we have to understand that coming in. How, how about how about cultural context? How how is that an obstacle specifically for us? Well, uh, you know, there's there's a biblical standard for uh, how would I put it? There's a biblical standard for moral and righteous behavior, but uh, down to as we've already discovered the Old Testament, you know. Uh, the dignity of humanity and the, the loving and respect of one another and neighbor and all that, it, 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 is, it goes through periods of deterioration and then, you know, restoration and back. So, uh, again, yeah, it, they didn't live their lives the same way we did, even though they're human flesh and blood. They, they lived in a culture that's very, very similar to uh, when you visit a foreign country today and suddenly... Uh, you know, I spent a, a few weeks in Africa and realized that the, the, the world around me, though it's it's the same century, the same general, it, it's just a whole different culture. So it is reading the scripture. There are there are cultural things that have changed. And if you don't pause and ask, what is that setting like, then you totally misunderstand what the activities are. Mm. I find that helpful. And I loved how last week you spoke to um, the fact that we have to consider these things because we're seeking the author's intent. And if the author wrote in a time period in a specific culture, we're going to miss the meaning if we just assume they were writing in the same time, yeah. in the same culture that we're writing in this week or, or reading in, in now. Okay, so let's let's transition. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, there, there was I thought it was interesting when you brought it up. There, there is an interesting one in in Ruth four. And because this occurred in the time of the judges, but it, the story wasn't written until the rule of King David, they explain even to the Hebrew mm. reader what the taking off the sandal meant in the sealing of a of a land exchange contract. So, you know, even even in their world, the culture had changed to where those that were living in the time of David didn't understand. So why did he take his sandal off? What did that mean? So in chapter mm. four, they gave an explanation even of a cultural change there. 
Yeah. You know, and that and that kind of segues into the next thing we're talking about, because the author, when writing, clearly recognized there was going to be this gap or yeah. potential for misunderstanding. As as we read, how do we know when we've run into something that there's likely to result in a misunderstanding due to the historical and cultural gaps we face? Well, I, I think the, the first is uh, the shock value. <laughs> you know, you're, <laughs> there we you're, go. Just, you're just reading along and going, I, I have no idea what they're talking about, or I, mm. I didn't see that coming, or it, it raises a question in your mind and you go, can that really mean that? As soon as that happens, you know that you need to pause, slow down, and reassess it. Uh, so, uh, you know, thoughtful reading will be your first indicator is just uh, that's something I'm not familiar with or in my world that sure doesn't sound right or make sense. Yeah, if it sounds strange or unusual, uh, odds are we need to do a little research there. Um, On on that subject, can, can you think of a few examples that might help people understand what we're talking about from other places in scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, it, you know, oftentimes in the scripture, you'll say, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, that thing. And, um, mm. you know, getting getting stoned in our generation has a whole different connotation to mm. getting stoned when you were mm-hmm. Stephen standing in front of the religious leaders of Jerusalem. Uh, so those kind of things, or as, as we were uh, sort of laughing about it before we recorded, but we hear Jesus said, unless you're willing to take up your cross and follow me. And we don't understand. I don't see anybody carrying a cross. I mean, that's become jewelry for the ears or a necklace. Mm. And mm-hmm. you, we, you know, we ink it on our arm as part of our sleeve or something. But so now we just kind of flippantly say, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in my job. I'm just going to show up at work. This is my cross to bear. Or, uh, you know, I'm in this relationship and I can't get out of it. So this is my cross to bear. That's not what carrying your cross meant. So uh, you know, the, the whole foot washing uh, movement of the New Testament, uh, foot washing in our culture doesn't make sense. So I, I think just a, a number of those uh, set it back in a different time. Yeah, I think that's helpful as we try to consider what we do when we run into them. Um, now let's transition here a little bit from the kind of hypothetical discussion about this and, and get practical about the story of Ruth and Boaz um, and think about the cultural context and how it would inform our understanding of the text. As, as you were reading through those chapters of Ruth, what, what first tipped your hand um, that this, this uncovering of the feet thing uh, was an act that we would probably struggle to understand correctly? Well, the twofold is, yeah, uncover the feet. And then, uh, and then secondly, I said, and uh, spread your wings over your servant. And you're thinking, you know, that that is obviously a figure of speech. You know, you're talking about a gentleman <laughs> farmer here who's just harvested, you know, and, uh, and threshed his grain. And you're asking him to spread his wings. So as soon as you see that, you say, okay, there's a there's a cultural thing being expressed here, happening here. Uh, so, you know, having read that, then all of a sudden I realized that uh, back in chapter two, you know, earlier on, uh, he had said, you know, the Lord repay you for what you have done and full reward be given you. The Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So there was a, mm. there was a trigger connection there. 
uh, that said, boy, you got to look at this more carefully. What, what, is, what is she asking when she raises up the garment over his feet? Mm. Yeah, good interpretive question to wrestle with there. And so, so after you identify something like this, and you say, okay, this is a strange thing that I don't understand. And probably we're talking about a cultural or, or a historical gap here. What's the first step you take and what's the first step we can take to begin understanding how to interpret it? Well, the, the first the first principle of interpreting scripture beyond context, 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 is, is that <laughs> scripture interprets scripture. And uh, so the first thing you do is you start uh, doing a search through the Bible. Is, is this addressed anywhere else? Does it ever come up again? And that, that particular part, there's, there's a, a lot of things, but d- definitely the wing one. So all of a sudden I ended up in Psalm 91, you know, mm. when those who take shelter under his wing. Uh, so they're talking about the security, the protection and all that. So started with just going through, is there anything else in the scripture that could help understand this? And then, uh, you know, there's some resources that are available, you know, Bible times and practice kind of books. Say so, so if so, you know, with the internet available, you 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 quickly type in and go, you know what, what could the cultural have been? And uh, you know, there's again, you got to do that with discernment because there are some people that mm-hmm. interpret it, you know, in a crazy way. But if you if you go to good resources, uh, the other one that I went to was I pulled off, like I said, I must have ten or more study Bibles. So I go to the mm. footnotes on study Bibles and say, who are these reliable Bible interpreters? How did they handle that text? Mm. Yeah, helpful. I, you know, the internet, you never know what you're going to get, like you're, like you're saying, but, a, a, you know, a, a, a trusted study Bible, a Bible encyclopedia, Bible handbooks, you know, all of those yeah. are, are really helpful uh, when it comes to kind of laying some of these tricky, sticky <laughs> things out for us, no doubt. No doubt. And then and then lastly, after you've identified this as an issue, gone, okay, this is what I need resolved in my mind, looked at what some some historically and culturally aware people have written about the subject, looked at where else the scriptures bring up these ideas. Um, after all that, how does a correct understanding of this event in particular inform the meaning of the larger story uh, going on in Ruth? Well, I think because uh, I, one of my slides that I didn't, I decided not to use. The, the first one was just a total blackout slide, and then the second one was the blackout slide with a small white dot in the middle of it. And so I think this story is that the the book of Ruth is that small white dot against the backdrop of the of the dark days of the judges. And then properly understanding this one, it elevates your understanding of the character of both Ruth and Boaz. Uh, mm. it, it again, it it, it reveals as the first, you know, people want to read into it something that is not moral or something that is morally suggestive. Mm. But mm-hmm. the reality is, when you realize that they are both waiting on the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and that that there is a cultural resolution to the problem. But there's also moral boundaries on how that's approached. And because the moral standard was so low at the time, rightfully understanding this, you get a greater esteem. Suddenly you realize that that unlike the rest of the men, 
uh, Ruth has discovered a Boaz and not a Bozo. And uh, mm. for that reason, you've, you've got a greater appreciation for what God is doing. I think that's a great reminder, you know, much much like the literary context that we talked about last week with maybe we have a tendency to view it as a positive example of the fleece, when in, in the reality, it's a negative example in much the same way where we in a highly sexualized culture that would that would not promote abstinence, that would not tend to promote, you know, fidelity and things like that. We'd have a tendency to go here. OK, what scandalous is going on here yep. uh, when the reality is a, a, a historical and cultural context understanding says this is actually raising our view of, of Ruth and Boaz. I, I think that's really helpful uh, for us to think through how significant some of these understandings can be. Um, on, on kind of that idea, uh, let's, let's jump forward a little bit here. And um, on the flip side of the equation, uh, are there any common mistakes or errors you see people making uh, related to this subject in particular? Yeah, I, th- I think we we implement practices that were, I think, not intended, uh, perhaps to be ongoing uh, practices or applications. Uh, sometimes we make major doctrinal uh, divisive issues uh, out of things. I I just think of somebody in particular that uh, that married into an expression of the Christian faith that uh, every week in their corporate gatherings practices uh, foot washing, uh, mm. that they they continue to practice the greet one another with a holy kiss. And so she was quite taken back when they got married, <laughs> they went to church and these men walk up and kiss her husband. <laughs> She's expected uh. to kiss the women. I mean, there's, so there's just those things we say, if we don't stop and say it, I mean, some of those things are supposed to be repeated in the church. In, in today, but uh, if, if we just immediately, literally translate them over, uh, we cause great conflict and unnecessary division. Mm. I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Uh, how, how about additional tips or, or helpful suggestions for our listeners uh, specific to how to do this in our own Bible reading? Well, certainly is to realize that these, these things take, take thought and consideration um, that we can't just pass over them. They are in the text for a reason. Every word is the breath of God. Therefore, he put it there. Uh, I, I think to be humble enough to ask others for insight, understanding. Uh, I think be cautious to be humble in your interpretation that you say, it, it seems to mean this, but validating it, confirming it with other resources and other people is always helpful. So if, if I can attempt to kind of summarize a bit what we've talked about here, um, we recognize that we stand today in the year 2020 in the United States of America in a very different time with with different culture, with different ways of saying things. Um, so even if we can manage to translate everything correctly in the language into English, which I think our Bible translations do very well, there's still the potential for misunderstanding because we use phrases and and there are things we do that wouldn't make any sense to other cultures. And so we have to kind of look at our, our endeavor to interpret the Bible as, as kind of like visiting a foreign country, like the illustration yep. you used of, you know, a thumbs up doesn't mean the same thing in other countries around the world. And I don't want to be misunderstood. So we have to be careful of those things in Scripture uh, that we may misunderstand because we're reading in a different time, in a different place. Um, and so some use of good resources on the subject um, is really helpful, some thoughtful reading, um, looking at what other people have said, what other people have thought. 
um, those kind of things to avoid um, missing a major contextual thing. Uh, any any final thoughts on this subject, Tom? Helpful things for for our listeners as as we kind of head off head off this and on to the next week. Well, I, I would say uh, be uh, be enamored by those things and and uh, let let them slow you down long enough to really examine and try to understand rather than just giving up quickly and saying, well, that happened a different time, different place. There's no way I could understand it. Uh, There's just a a rich beauty when you understand the history and you understand the culture in which God declared these truths, illustrated these truths. So my encouragement would be to, to, to enjoy that and not become discouraged by it, but, you know, stay humble in it, but stay hungry and uh, want to know and do the work that's required to find out. Yeah, good encouragement. It, and it really resonates with the, the verse we close every week on, the idea of just doing your best. You know, do your best to, to be one approved. You know, do a little extra research. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to be a PhD scholar. <laughs> so right. God right. expects us all to do our best. Um, that's, that's a good encouragement I find for myself and others. Um, all right, well, let's let's move forward because this Sunday you've got another another character coming up. You've got um, the person and life of Saul, um, primarily from First Samuel this weekend. Um, what are you looking forward to preaching on the person of Saul? Well, it, we moved to a new era. We, we ended Ruth by saying that the empty cupboards are now full. The empty arms have been filled. The empty beds are now full. Even the empty womb was filled, but we ended with, but the throne is still empty. And uh, so this is a, it's a major new era in the history of Israel. And uh, so just looking forward to that transition from judges, prophets to the king and how all of that took place. Mm. Getting into another book that moves the overall story of the Bible forward um, in first and second Samuel. Um, how about interpretive questions? Anything challenging uh, from the life of Saul? Well, it, 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 Saul himself is quite a study that uh, he starts <laughs> out with great humility and ends up in great humiliation. And you're saying, what, what was the change there? And uh, the biggest challenge is to tell the story of Saul's 40 years of leadership in 40-minute sermon. <laughs> mm. So... Uh, there's a, there's a lot there. So right now this, the struggle is uh, what, what are the highlights that give us a clear understanding of why God included this as part of his narrative? Yeah, no doubt. And fascinating the way his story is interwoven with the story of David uh, in those books. So we'll look forward to that uh, and hearing more about that on Sunday. Um, lastly, how can we personally prepare our heart uh, for this message? Well, obviously, by, by rereading or pre-reading the text uh, is helpful uh, so that you're familiar with the story, because like I said, we will be moving through 40 years in 40 minutes. But mm-hmm. I think the other is there's, there's this in First Samuel, the number of times that the call of God shows up when faithful people are just doing their normal everyday activities. So we can begin to expect that that God will show up if I just am faithful to what he's given me today. And uh, I think that's an underlying theme that runs all the way through 1 Samuel. That's a good word. Uh, We'll look forward to hearing that on Sunday. 
well, well, that's it for this week's episode. Um, thank you for listening with us. Thank you for joining us for another week. Uh, we hope you tune in for the message on Saul that will be coming out Friday, and you can listen to Friday, Saturday, or Sunday um, this weekend. Um, quick reminder that uh, if you're interested, we also have the Facebook Live uh, watch party going on um, at 9 o'clock on Sunday. We hope you tune in uh, for that uh, to listen to more of Tom's thoughts on the life and work of Saul. Um, if you're doing the weekly reading, uh, following along with our Route 66 sermon series, remember uh, that this week we have First Samuel, uh, the chapters of 13, 14, and 15. We'd encourage you to read those as you prepare your heart uh, for this weekend. Uh, one last thing of note that I wanted to mention briefly, too, uh, wanted to let you know that uh, as church leaders, um, we're aware of the ever-changing situation in our state, in our community of Lincoln specifically, um, that's going on with COVID-19, uh, what the governor has, has said looking forward into May, and what, what the mayor has said looking in forward into May as well. Uh, we're considering those steps. We know you are all very anxious. Uh, to get back together, we are looking forward to the day when we can be back together as a church in one building again. Um, but we're also trying to figure out how to do that in light of safety for our families and respect for the authorities that God has given us um, and so many other considerations. So uh, we would covet your prayers as we continue to consider those things. We would ask that you would pray for wisdom uh, for the elders, for the leaders, for the staff, as we try to figure out how to begin stepping back into normalcy, hopefully here in the coming weeks and months um, as a church. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, know that we are considering it and praying for you as, as we do all of those things. Um, and we do hope next week you join us again for the podcast. We will be taking a closer look at Israel's first king, uh, the life of Saul, um, and taking another week to consider a different aspect of context on the podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.